This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, originating from Florida State's Winery in Land Lakes, Florida, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. Vice President and General Manager of Florida State's Winery, from coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235 and let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Thank you, Dusty. Got to keep moving to stay warm. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, very good. Um, welcome to the show. It's all about wine. It's Thursday. It's just after 7 p.m. Eastern time. I'm Mike, and as always, of course, the host, the winemaker himself. Hang on. Where's it at? Uh, applause, applause. Huh. Run. Yeah. <laughs> Took him a while. It's cold. But you can't expect them to do too much. It's it's cold here. I mean, is it really? It got yeah yeah. It only got up to like sixty eight today. I mean, oh my gosh! I just went out and, earlier in a t shirt and I didn't notice it was cold. Is it maybe it's just cold over there? Because no, oh, it's really not cold though. I mean, I I short sleeve shirts and all that today, but the oh. the, the well, we're not getting any wind, which is the saving factor. Yes, it you is. Know, no wind chill. <laughs> yeah. And so that really helps. But, yeah. uh, I mean, it's not north cold. I, yeah, I mean, really, everything right. above the Florida border, actually everything above Gainesville, uh, which is in the mm-hmm. middle of the state, north middle, everything above Gainesville in the whole country is cold. But mm-hmm. we're still getting our cold. Yeah. And, you know, so the bus people have to stay warm and all that. Yeah. Um, oh, that's good. That's- I'm glad they're here, yeah. and everybody's out there. Everybody's out there listening. Um, well, let's, you know, I was just going to ask you what the topics were tonight, and I didn't get to that. She says your show will come on in five seconds, and I didn't even get that, so it was yeah, a surprise to me that. as well. Um, well I want to talk about uh, the wine country, um, how they're still hurting after the fire. Uh, there's six new grapes that have been approved by the uh, – TTB, uh, a little bit about wine in a can again, some about climate change, and research stripping sulfites from wine. Now, that one is interesting, So, especially with our wand that we've been studying. Your uh, magic that, wand. <laughs> the magic wand. That should be an interesting article. And some yeah. new AVAs, we'll mention that too. So there's a few things that uh, uh, that are interesting that's uh, been happening. Walgreens is accepting shipments of wine. So if there's they're a FedEx pickup and drop-off point now. And so what that does for you, our dear listeners, is if you want to have wine shipped to you, you can accept it individually, but it can go to a business. So go down to Walmart and say, I've got a shipment coming in. Let me know when it comes in or trace it on your, you know, most places will let you trace it. But the article I was reading, the guy said he had a couple and shipped to Walmart and Walmart, Walmart, Walgreens, I'm sorry, I'm saying Walmart. Walgreens. Walgreens is accepting it. So Walgreens, uh, had guys said they had a couple of ships to Walgreens, and Walgreens said they never received them. He never got his wine. They didn't inform him if it was returned or what was going on. So if you're going to have wine shipped to Walgreens, and they are accepting shipments, you can call your winery and say, well, you ship to Walgreens. Most of them will. Be sure you stay on top of it. 
don't let it get away from you. Don't let it. Um, I don't. I don't, ship away. I don't get how that. How that. You can just have something shipped to Walgreens and and they'll accept it on your behalf. Or is this just because? Yes. Yeah, really, Walgreens. Uh, they are. They are. It just recently set up. And in fact, if you go around to Walgreens, you'll see the little signs outside uh, mm-hmm. uh, that they are a FedEx. They're not UPS, but FedEx shipping uh, place, shipping and receiving. So you can have something shipped huh. to Walgreens. And they are oh. they're just new. It's just recently they've set this up and recently they're doing this. So oh, that's awesome. I didn't know businesses yeah, would do that. Yeah, they're designated receiving. Yeah, you know, a lot of places. Some places won't let mm. you ship it directly to the home, so this is circumvents mm-hmm. that problem. And so yeah. check that out. I mean, you know, if you check your local Walgreens and be sure that they'll do it and all that. But uh, yeah, check check that out. Wow. So, uh, this coming week, what are you going to drink your wine with? Well, I don't know. Not much. Um, End of the year, not much happening in the next couple of days. Although Saturday is National Bacon Day. Yay, Bacon Day. Good good thing. Too bad, as far as I'm concerned, they can have Bacon Day every day. But National Bacon Day. And so bacon can be served in all sorts of ways, starting with breakfast and all the way up to midnight snack. Sunday, National Champagne Day. Makes sense to me, you know, so we got that coming up Sunday. And then Monday, we have a new month and a new year, but a new month. January is National Hot Tea Month, is National Soup Month, National Oatmeal Month, which all makes sense because it's all, you know, warm, warm innard stuff. National Bread Machine Baking Month, and... National Slow Cooking Month. Now, I guess that means the slow cooking machine as opposed to just taking your sweet old time preparing a meal. So those are the, the month designated for January. And then Monday, New Year's Day is National Bloody Mary Day, which is the go-to hangover drink. So Monday, National Bloody Mary Day. Tuesday, is National Cream Puff Day. And it's also National Buffet Day. So if you're into into buffets, which I like buffets, if you're into buffets, National Buffet Day coming up Tuesday. Wednesday, National Chocolate-Covered Cherry Day. Just like, and if you don't want to do National Chocolate-Covered Cherries, then get my spice wine, serve it with chocolate, and you're going to get the same taste without all that little goo running down your chin. And then, next Thursday, week from today, our next show on the 4th of January, New Year, is National Spaghetti Day. Which, not pasta, but spaghetti. There is there is a difference. So, that's what you got coming up there. All these things to celebrate and drink wine with. And uh, so, enjoy them. And that's what we got uh, for this coming week. Uh, let's see what else I got here. Wine and beer. Okay, let me get this out of the way here. I've been wanting to talk about this. Uh, this is from a uh, store brands magazine. And uh, wine sales surge uh, as retailers are rolling out private brand names and private lines. Uh, there's a whole bunch of private um, brands out there. Uh, it's uh, in the wine category, jumping up. Private band, uh, brands have sold $9.3 million worth of wine uh, in the past year, ending, uh, oh, this us ending in August. So that's a couple months ago. Actually, four months ago. Wow. Wow. Uh, Changed from a year, the private brands have jumped up 247 plus percent, whereas all brands only jumped up 4%. Dollar share is still almost negligible for private brands, but it is 
making some sort of impact on an average price for a private brand bottle, $8.42, as opposed to an average price of $9.41 for all other brands. So there's a lot of them out there. There's uh, new ones. A lot of stores are coming out with private brands and private labels. <coughs> Excuse me. There's uh, Target uh, introduced uh, wine in September uh, on its Roots line, R-O-O-T-S, Roots line. Now they have five Cabernet Sauvignon, Red Blend, Moscato, Chardonnay, and Pinot Grigio. And they're going selling for $5. Uh, there's a lot of others. The German retailer Little, L-I-D-L, uh, opened up his first stores in the United States. And they have uh, a lot of wines uh, in their store and some of their own private labels, which have been award winners over the years. They've gotten lots of international wine competition uh, winning medals and all sorts of stuff. So a lot of private labels going on out there. Uh, and effervescent, the uh, bubbly wines. Those are becoming a big, big part of the private labels. It's because it's something that people are starting to discover. And I'm always telling people that come into the wine, you know, don't shirk the bubbly. There's lots of them out there. In fact, coming up this, Excuse me again. This Sunday evening, you're going to be possibly opening a bottle of champagne for the uh, New Year. And there's lots of them out there. There's uh, the champagne, which we know about. Cava, C-A-V-A. That's the Spanish bubbly wine, sparkling wine. Prosecco, P-R-O-S-E-C-C-O is the Italian sparkling wine. You've got the French Champagne, but you've also got the Cremant, C-R-E-M-A-N-T, with that little mark above the E. Uh, Cremant, that is a bubbly sparkling wine from France that is not as expensive as your Champagnes, but it is a good way to have the bubblies and not have to spend the price for it. French champagnes are expensive to Cremant's uh, reasonably price, down usually below $25 or even less. And then you've got the United States sparkling wines, and there's still some out there that are called champagne. All of these different ones you can usually get for under $25. Uh, of course, you can, you can spend more. You can get the more expensive ones. But there's a bunch of them out there under $25. So when you enjoy it this Sunday night, consider picking up an extra bottle or two and enjoying it even further into the new year. There's no reason to be shunning the bubbly. There are good ones out there for a good amount of uh, enjoyment any time of the year with just about anything. You can... And you're spending about the same price as you're spending on the bottles you're buying now. So keep that in mind when you're out doing that. Uh, wine country. The wine country has had its issues this year. And one of the big ones has been the problem they've been having with the fires. We've talked about that. I don't know if you noticed it. I put a, a map are a list of the damage on the Facebook page for the fires. And you can take a look at it. It's still up there. You can take a look at what the damage was and what has happened and how it's uh, affected the uh, region and stuff like that and what areas. But then I saw uh, another article here, which is interesting, uh, is the fire still hurting? Is the repercussions from the fires uh, still causing problems? The simple answer, yes, it is. Uh, almost all of Napa, Sonoma, and Mendocino wineries, hotels, and tasting rooms were closed for 10 days to two weeks after the fire started. A month later, they were open for business, almost every one of them. 
But the, the tourists haven't came back, especially those traveling from greater distances uh, across the country and stuff like that. Uh, they're getting uh, some tourists. The tasting rooms aren't as full. The restaurant hotels are lacking. Uh, there's uh, the, uh, the for people who are coming are coming up from the San Francisco area and visiting from there. So that's what's helping. But the crowds aren't there that they used to uh, the uh, approximately two weeks of shuttered taste rooms and restaurant doors represents about three to four percent loss on the seven point two billion dollars in tourism, which results in twenty three point six million tourists annually that are putting an impact on the wine area. Now this is based on Wine Institute's twenty sixteen data, so this is up to date and it's uh, realistic numbers here. There is, actually, the article said there's not a whole lot of tourism data for Napa, which shocked me. I mean, you know, that's, uh, they said they don't have any confirmed numbers right now, and it will take some time before they start looking at it. So it will take a while, and they'll be able to give some numbers of what it is, but it's estimated that the fires caused uh, wine tasting rooms to lose between 19 and $38 million in sales. An additional $50 million to $100 million in revenue was lost, or will be lost by the wineries that need to be rebuilt as a result of the fires. And that one to two weeks of lost tasting room sales would have cost between $19.23 million on the low end, up to $38.46 million on the high end for all the regions, Mendocino, Sonoma, and Napa. The range between uh, grape loss, between $32.41 million and $97.22 million. And... Equipment loss, square footage loss, damage between 75 and 200 million. That puts the total financial impact on the wine regions, Sonoma, Napa, and Mendocino counties, at between 245.64 million to 200 or to 563 million dollars. Mind-boggling, isn't it, just for that fire that goes to there. And not a lot of them were damaged, but you're looking at total impact. Uh, of the 1,200 wineries in Mendocino, Napa, and Sonoma County, only 11 of them were seriously damaged. And the greatest fires were seen in Santa Rosa, the town of Santa Rosa, which basically most of the town had fire damage or a lot of them burnt to the ground. It's just devastating. Uh, the uh, people who have lost their houses and belongings and all that are getting help from uh, the region and from uh, the governments of uh, California and of the wine industry and of federal government. So uh, that everyone's kicking in and helping. Uh, they're also having construction workers needing some place to stay while they're coming into it. And so the Bay Area rentals have spiraled upward tremendously because of the construction workers and how long they're going to be there. Uh, and so it's going to be a big boost for the area and that, which will also help the wine area. The wine country is littered with posters, they say, thanking first responders. Uh, it's all over the place and it's still letting them know how much they appreciate what they have done and how they did it and how much they've helped save stuff. If you were to drive up Highway 101, which is the main road through Napa Valley, uh, which is uh, Napa, Sonoma, St. Helena, uh, these uh, cities, if you were driving up there, you would 
probably not notice much damage because it didn't affect them there and you can't really see stuff. But if you were to go up to Calistoga by the ridges or over closer to the water and drive the roads that are up higher and all that, especially at the northern end of Napa Valley, you will really see how the damage has affected the area. There are some uh, roads where you'll see house numbers on a post out in front, and that's it. There's, there's nothing but a scorched, empty lot and a burnt car too, maybe in the driveway or what is left of the driveway. The vines helped fend off some of the fires. Close to 90% of the harvest was complete at the time of the fires, which is helped save a lot there. But the vines themselves also uh, did a lot of help. They uh, worked as a fire break for a lot of different areas there. And that helped save a lot of, a lot of homes and a lot of areas. But, you know, it's still uh, devastating. The uh, There's fundraisers being gone constantly. I, I don't know. Let me ask my engineer. Engineer, did we ever post that link to the uh, the post uh, for donation? No, she don't remember. I don't either. I don't know if we did or not. On Facebook, yeah, I have to check it out. Uh, but if we haven't, there's uh, places that you can donate that uh, will go 100% to the fire victims. So I'll find that. I don't have it here spread out around me and all this other stuff I have everywhere. But uh, 100% goes to the fire victims. And uh, there is a Stag's Leap District Association uh, has been asking for donation of $100 from each of its men. Uh, members, and they expect to donate $15,000 by the end of the year. Uh, City of San Francisco chefs are given a gala that, uh, a gala gala, I'm sorry, that brought in a projected $750,000 uh, for uh, donation, all of it to the the uh, damage and all that. There's also been some other stuff that's going around and to try to raise money. The businesses are open. If you had a trip planned for any of those areas, Mendocino, Sonoma, or Napa counties, don't cancel it. They are open. They are open for business. They're ready for the tours. They are safe. They are uh, all set for you. And make the trip. It's fine. It's okay now. The... uh, Areas are, are, it's just, I mean, I understand. I can relate to their concern because after the oil spill, uh, the um, one um, that happened up in, um, outside of New Orleans, outside of Louisiana, and the oil came around the coast, and everybody's talking about how the coast was covered with oil. People quit coming. People quit coming to Florida. We saw an impact, uh, a definite impact on business because people just basically thought that Florida was covered in oil. After the hurricanes, and we've had a share of those, in 2004 we had four hurricanes go. Actually, there were six hurricanes that hit the whole state that year. People quit coming that year. They thought that Florida was flattened. And it really does take a toll. People's concept of how much damage was and they're not going to get this full enjoyment does make a difference when you uh, have a natural disaster like that. And basically, the areas recover pretty quickly. Uh, We do our cleanups. We do our due diligence of getting everything taken care of and ready for you again. And so it is ready. The Napa Valley did not burn to the ground. Sonoma County did not burn to the ground, nor did Mendocino County. They all have their areas and all that. It's all still beautiful. It's all still fun. Don't cancel your vacations. If you're scheduled for there, continue to plan on going to 
those areas, they have wine, their wines are in the tanks, and then they have everything they need. So financial impact, yes. You staying away, even more of an impact. So go visit. These are uh, all ready for you. They've got a long way to go before they're back to 100%, as is always any area that's affected by it. And the fire, to me, fire is one of the most devastating because it just totally wipes out everything. Hurricanes that went through here, there's, of course, Andrew that hit Southern, that wipes out everything. But you can still recover some stuff. Fire, to me, is, is the worst of all of them. But your help in just visiting them, it would make a big difference. So do that. Uh, go take a visit to California Wine Growing Area. And if you're local here, you can always visit wineries in every and any state. They're all over the place. Six new grapes have been approved by the TTB. It's uh, the uh, they, they have to approve, give administrative approval for the use of this, the names of the grapes on the wine labels. Uh, yeah, I know it's government. That's what they got to do, though. And because of that, they have to tell you what grapes are allowed to put on there. American grape variety names. Uh, the Now, this is TTB. This is the Federal uh, Trade and Tobacco uh, or Tax and Trade Bureau. I keep saying tobacco. Tax and Trade Bureau. It's Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau. It is a division of the U.S. Department of Treasury. But requirements... Uh, is uh, the variety, great variety use of wine labels, a process of approval for great variety names, rulemaking, currently approved great varieties are listed, completed rulemaking. Uh, you can find the rules for varietal labeling and different sections. You, uh, it, it just goes on tells all this stuff in here. It just, it's, TTB is an interesting site. It just, they ramble on and on and on, but uh, it's an interesting site. They have a list of names that are pending approval, and I don't know, I didn't count these, but I would say there's over 50 here that are pending approval. But they now have six of them that they have approved. They are Sauvignon Kretos. K-R-E-T-O-S, Sauvignon Cretos, Merlot Canthus, Merlot, K-A-N-T-H-U-S, Floretai, I think that's pronounced Floretai, Floretai, F-L-E-U-R-T-A-I, Sauvignon Ritos, R-Y-T-O-S, Cabernet Volos, B-O-L-O-S, and Sorelli, S-O-R-E-L-I. I have no idea where these names come from. I have no idea what these grapes are. Uh, I started looking them up in my list of uh, wine grapes that I have uh, and uh, couldn't find them. I don't know if they are so new that they don't have information on them yet or what, but they have now been approved by TTB, and, and uh, you can put those names on your label. Now, the uh, American Grape Variety Names, uh, again, have to be approved by this, and there is a unbelievable list of names that are approved in this country for wine grapes. Uh, the wine must be made a minimum percentage of the grapes. It has to be 75% of that grape to be able to put the name on the label. And, uh, and the, you know, that is the rule. Wine made from any Vitus Labrusca variety may use the name of the grape variety on the label if 51% or more of the wine is made from that grape variety. 
Vitus labruscas, your uh, muscadines, and different families there. The entire qualifying percentage of the name great variety has grown, uh, was grown in the labeled appellation of origin. So you can use it with just 51% if it is the Vitus labrusca. Vitus vinifera, 75%. And Vitus vinifera is the ones that you're so used to hearing and seeing and buying and drinking. So uh, that's uh, these new ones. I have no idea what family they are under. I will continue to check and see if I can't find some more information. They don't have a don't have a click on them on the TV TV to tell you anything about them. So uh, that is something that I will follow up on and see if I can't uh, find out what those are, what what their what family they are, or anything. So, uh, hang on, I gotta type in something here. And some other stuff here. I'm not going to worry about that too much. Um, so, new wine names approved for the United States. That's, uh, I don't want to wipe that page out either. I want to save that. Wine in a can. We have talked about that over and over and over again, wine in a can. This article is saying that wine in a can is exploding in this country because of the millennial demand. Yeah, probably. But it's uh, the wine business is starting to turn to aluminum cans because of millennial influence. Wine sold in can is still very small. Retail sales of wine and cans on an annual basis increased $14.5 million in 2016 from $6.4 million in 2015. So this is a 125% increase, which you know caught people's eye. But it's only a 2.8% increase over shipments from the previous year. They're saying that five years from now, says the owner and president of Lucky Clover Packaging, that wine in a can may be one of the biggest shipping things because of the weight that it saves and the convenience of packing it. Uh, The wine industry and can industry say that ventures can't ignore the changes that are occurring in the beer sector and also as an overflow into the wine sector. The wine in the can first came out in 2004 in Francis Ford Coppola's winery and the Sophia brand of sparkling wine. That was the 187 millimeter can. And since then, they have unveiled the diamond collection of Chardonnay, Pinot Grigio, and Sauvignon Blanc in cans. And they are looking at adding some new ones in the near future. It is something that is convenient. It is something that is lightweight and it is something that is a lot easier to handle than you're going to find in bottles. A lot of the beaches in Florida, in fact, almost all the beaches in Florida, don't particularly like the bottles on the beach. They, they Actually, they uh, ban wine drinking because of bottle and breakage of bottles and stuff. So when you start looking at wine in a can, it is a big difference, which, you know, you're going out and have a picnic, wine in a can, 
The 750 milliliter bottle is heavy, it's expensive, and it's hard to control and, and do anything with it, especially the expensive shipping. Wine in a can is a fraction of the cost. It is lighter, it is easier to move, it is easier to dispose of, and so they're saying the millennials are grasping wine in a can. It is the thing that's happening. Uh, they're also saying that wine in a can could be good for sporting events, football, baseball, soccer, any of those events like that. Wine in a can would be a lot easier to handle and take to sell than trying to do glasses of wine or bottles or mini bottles or any of that. So look for it. It's coming, folks. It's coming. We're going to get wine in the can all over the place. There's nothing we can do about it. It is heading at us now. Uh, but, you know, okay. I'm not, I'm not concerned about wine in the can. Uh, I've had wine in the can. It tastes the same as all the others. So far, they put in cheap wine in the can. I'm sure they will continue to put cheap. I shouldn't say cheap. I should say inexpensive. They will continue to put inexpensive wine in the can. And as long as they do that, then people will will continue to buy it. Not that people aren't cheap, it's just that it's uh, within their price range. Climate change. Another topic that is near and dear to me. Uh, I've talked about climate change quite a bit on here. Uh, Article here about how climate change is starting to affect grape-growing regions around the world. The Example, Cabernet Sauvignon in Italy began harvesting in July. July? I mean, that's a month, month and a half before it should. Uh, Champagne region is, uh, they're starting to harvest the Pinot Noirs and the Chardonnay grapes there sooner than they have before. And it's something that they're still looking at, trying to control, trying to see what they're going to do. The climate change has caused grapes to develop faster. It's caused the, the warmth to give different tastes to the grapes. It has overall affected them, I, I want to say, not positively. It is a problem that you're going to see in the bottle. Uh, it's becoming harder and harder to tell the difference between a glass of Chablis that's actually Chablis and a majority of the white burgundies because of the warming and it's blurring that classic Chablis identity, which is, you know, Chablis is the Chardonnay and the white burgundies are Chardonnays, but it's blurring the identity of the Chablis, the classic Chablis identity. Um, Now it's starting to blend in to the point where you can't really tell the difference between a Chablis and a white burgundy. Uh, California Chardonnay and Chablis are starting to show a little bit of the same, too. Uh, It sounds odd, but uh, the outlook is that Europe and France are going to be facing this warming, which is going to affect the harvest and the grapes themselves as they grow. Uh, in the shorter term, it uh, presents some impossible choices. Do you adapt to the changes? Do you change the laws? Do you allow things to be changed so that it will not affect the grapes so much? Or do you continue doing what you're doing and try to adjust it in the bottle and in the fermentation process, which is obviously going to give you problems. It's going to give you problems all the way through. Um, It it is an issue. It is an issue that they're looking at. And not only is that issue affecting the um, the European wines, but it's also affecting wines throughout the United States. And while we're talking about uh, weather issues, another weather issue we might be looking at too is this cold snap that we're getting down to the country. 
Uh, it's cold now. It's very cold now. It's going to continue being cold for the next three days. Uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Very cold nights. Wind chill is going to be down, but it's cold nights. When those cold nights hit the ground, this is what causes problems with different grapevines. Cabernet Sauvignon cannot handle a freezing root system for any length of time. Uh, you know, three, four hours, it won't hurt it, but when you're starting to freeze that ground and freeze the root system for two or three days like we're doing now, it's going to kill that plant. That's why they have came out with these different plants that are cold resistant. University of Minnesota and Cornell University have came out with some great cold weather plants. Uh, we've heard mention them uh, over the over the years with the program. They're talking about the different wineries we've talked about in the cold weather regions. This cold snap can have some major problems and major repercussions to some of the vineyards as far south as Kentucky because it's getting cold there and it's getting very cold and it's freezing the ground. And this is what causes a problem. When it starts freezing the ground, it there's not much you can do. You can get out the smudge pots and you can get out big blankets, but it's not going to make a big difference. Once those grounds are frozen, then that's going to be pretty much it. The root system will not be able to handle that, and you're going to have some problems. So this cold, I will try to find out if there's anything that can be done or if anything is being affected by this cold, but I, I venture to guess, yes, uh, I venture to guess that there's going to be a uh, problem with the grapes being killed in different areas and different regions. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I will try to keep you informed on that. Okay. The research could strip wine of sulfites and the health worries for penny a bottle. Now, I don't like that headline. I don't like that headline to begin with, okay? I don't like that headline because of the simple fact that they're saying health worries, as if everybody's allergic to sulfites. <coughs> Excuse me. I don't have a glass of wine tonight. That's probably why I'm coughing my head off. Everybody is not allergic to sulfites. Very few people are. And so this headline here is like, oh, my gosh, everybody's allergic to sulfites. Once we pull them out, everybody's going to be happy and everybody's going to be great. This says, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, quote, people who have an intolerance to sulfites. Now, that is very few and the majority of people. Okay, so let's get that clarified right away. You know, we're all saying, we need to get rid of sulfites. Well, there's sulfites in just about everything you eat and drink. Read the labels. But let me get off my soapbox here. U.S. Department of Agriculture says, I quote, people who have an intolerance to sulfite can experience symptoms including chest tightness, hives, stomach cramps, diarrhea, and breathing problems. The underlying mechanisms for sulfite intolerance are not completely understood. For some individuals, though, the sensitivity to sulfites may be an allergic type of response. People with asthma appear to be at an increased risk of having asthma symptoms following exposure to sulfites, end quote. Okay, that's great and that's wonderful, but it doesn't, you know, there's lots of sulfites and lots of stuff. So it's, you know, winemakers have added sulfites to preserve their products since the Roman times, since the Roman era, uh, Roman Empire. It's a class of compounds including sulfur dioxide and sulfite salts. And they act as antioxidants and antibacterial compounds. And they actually occur naturally in winemaking. You know, it, but you add it to it to preserve the freshness and boost the flavor. Due to the concerns that the TV, TTB says, since 1988, wine sold in the United States containing more than 10 parts per million of sulfites have been required to include the phrase contain sulfites. Now, I know a lot of wineries that are not doing that, okay? I mean, you know, they're obviously not real tight on that law. 
New research at the University of Kansas School of Engineering is working toward the design and marketing of a low-cost, easy-to-use device that would filter up to 99% of sulfides from wine when it's poured from the bottle. Okay, doesn't say anything about the wine here, so we, we, we won't comment on the wine. Okay, they're saying that this is like an aerator. Mark Shiflet, uh, he is the uh, excuse me, Foundation's Distinguished Professor of Chemical and Petroleum Engineering, and he's the lead of the investigation. You stick it on top of the bottle, and as you pour a glass through the device, it removes sulfites. Simple as that. Inexpensive. When you're at the cash register, you have these devices for sale. They'd be a dollar or less. You buy a handful, and every time you pour yourself a bottle of wine, you would get sulfite-free wine, or 99% sulfite. And KU, Kansas University, would also get a feedback, just like Gatorade goes to the University of Florida, uh, KU would get their share from this new sulfite device or sulfite-free device or this removal device or whatever. Boy, that would really tick off the wand. Do you know that? If they came out with that and they had it for, you know, you know, like a buck or something, and the wand's selling their little wand at approximately $3 a piece for a six-ounce glass, and this is going to take care of a whole 750 milliliter or 25.4 ounces. Well, that would really tick off the wine. But Sheffler has been working at KU for uh, uh, a few years, but he used to work at DuPont. And uh, he's uh, doing this as uh, a way to engage undergraduate students on his research team. Uh, didn't I can't remember. I was I'm thinking that the inventor of the wand was from DuPont. I'll have to check that out. I can't remember. But uh the idea is to help the students develop products at KU and ultimately sell them so that KU gets things and the students don't get squawked. Uh, they've already came up with products in the marketplace uh and uh I'm sorry, there are already products in the marketplace advertises removing sulfites from wine. But they have shortcomings. In addition to the high cost, ah, we're talking wine, the group has tested these products and found that they only remove some of the sulfites. I'm sure they're talking the wine here. I wasn't going to bring it back. So he's actually tested them too, and he's coming up with the same conclusions as me. The price... uh, Getting a dry throat, sorry. We're showing the current products only remove about half of the sulfite based on our initial testing. But I didn't even get that high of a percentage, so he's being generous. I did say I'm going to test again, and I will be testing again. Um, they test samples of materials found in products on the market and the screens promising materials that uh, was considered for removing sulfites from wine. They're doing the chemical separation where the wine passes through a material that acts like a magnet for sulfites. These are materials that if you were to look at at the atomic scale, you would find chemical sites that specifically bind sulfites so they don't pass into the wine glass. So there you go. He hired one of his colleagues from DuPont uh, to make a porous material that is called zeolites to provide uh, this colleague, David Corman, made this porous material called zeolites to help in the testing. Uh, they're designing material that will bind to sulfide selectively, he said. The other components of the wine, like the sugars and the tannins, won't be affected. It's absorbing based on the idea of going specifically after the sulfites. He stressed the absorbent must remove the sulfites without changing the quality of the wine. 
a goal that complicates the removal of unwanted preservative. Okay, you researcher said if his team could successfully design and build a sulfite filter that's easily attached to the end of a bottle, he believes consumers will purchase it. By contrast, products already available to reduce sulfites require putting drops of chemicals in the glass, pouring wine through a filter, setting atop the glass, or stirring a filter through the wine. Which, again, the wine. I sound like I'm anti-wine. No, I'm not anti-wine. I just, I really am not anti-wine. I am just upset that all these different places that they got to give testimony to them hasn't checked it, hasn't researched it, hasn't done a test on it before they start doing all that stuff. That's my issue there. But if you need a price point where it will sell and it will be really effective, we want something that takes out 99% of the sulfites and doesn't put anything into the wine. A year from now, maybe we can go on to Shark Tank or some big wine producer like the NJ Gallo Wine and say, look, a box of wine could come with one of these sulfite filters on the end of it. So that's what they're looking at. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what's happening. We'll keep an eye on it. We'll keep up with the KU. I'm, I'm wonder if KU has any information on their site. So I don't know. I'll have to check that out too. But there you go. Another thing to remove sulfites. And, you know, I, I really, if they do come out with that, I will buy one and I will test it and I will see what's happening with that too. Because, you know, all these claims, they should test them and not just say, here, this is going to work for you. So that's, uh, check, Let's see if I can't go on the KU site and see, find something there. Uh, let's see. Oh, here, this is, this is a fun one here. This, what is that? That's on that there. Let me, uh, back up and go to this here. And I'm going to end with something here that everybody's going to be happy with. Drinking wine can make you smarter. All right. No more college. We'll sit around and drink wine. <laughs> it says, um, now this is uh, out of, uh, I know it doesn't tell me. Oh, there it is. The Independent. And this is United Kingdom uh, newspaper says, wine connoisseurs rejoice. Not only does wine leave a delightful taste in that thing, just skip down on me, jeez, I hate it when it does that. Delightful taste on the tongue, but drinking it can make you smarter. According to Yale neuroscientist Gordon Shepard, <coughs> drinking wine activates more... Oh, Was that me or you? That wasn't me. Yeah, I don't know why that clicked on real loud and it clicked off. Yeah, let's see. Oh, it kind of there it is. Got quiet all of a sudden. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> let's turn that off. That works right there. According to Yale neuroscientist Gordon Shepard, drinking wine activates more gray matter in the brain than listening to music and solving math equations. He explored the connection between your brain and the ability to interpret the flavor of wine in his book, Neuronology, How the Brain Creates the Taste of Wine. The act of drinking wine is a composite process, he said. It involves many different elements, including the way in which you sip the wine, how your tongue moves the wine around in your mouth, and how your nose responds to the aroma of wine, and so on. You just don't put wine in your mouth and leave it there, he says. You move it about and then swallow it, which is a very complex motor act. The brain plays a very important role in deciphering the taste of wine. He likens it to how your eyes perceive colors. So the analogy that one can use is color. 
The objects we see don't color themselves. Light hits them and bounces off. It's when light strikes your eyes that it activates systems in the brain that creates color from those wavelengths. Similarly, the molecules in wine don't have taste or flavor, but when they simulate our brain, the brain creates flavor the same way it creates color. So, by enjoying the succulent flavors of a Sauvignon Blanc or any other wine, you'll actually be engaging your brain in a very mindful activity. There you go. Keep that in mind while you're drinking this next week and on into the new year. It will make you smarter. And we will leave on that happy note for the end of 2017. <laughs> okay. <laughs> makes you smarter that's that's a good one um yeah i went to uh i went to the wand website again uh trying to see how how it became a you know came about and everything and and i guess we're talking about dave meadows the co-founder um right but you know you, you look at his credentials and everything i wouldn't question not knowing you know i mean just as a purchaser i'd say oh this guy is you know chemical engineering at the university of michigan uh, purdue university all of his background he's got what more than 50 patents uh contributed to more over 150 scientific publications i'm thinking it's already been through the test and then you have your own method of testing and i'm thinking uh, okay you know it, it, i mean you, you list the, the, the capabilities of it. I, I would think that, and even on the website, it shows it shows something like you did. Uh, God, what was that? Where you said it was like ninety five percent of the uh, compounds would be pretty much eliminated or or whatever. Uh, I forgot what it was, but it, it was you do it for for so many minutes, and then if you do it for like eight minutes, it's it's ninety five percent cured. You know that kind of thing. And they have a right. chart now, I guess, something on their website. I, I can't get to it now. It's confusing. But, um, you know, when you, put, when you put all this flash stuff on here and, and you can't find what you're looking for, I just I stop browsing. But anyway, <laughs> I look at it and I'm thinking, wow, you know, this guy has, you know, the credentials of uh, – it's amazing. A, a Ph.D. and all this. I mean, sure, he's going he's gonna to give you the right information. Right, <laughs> but you would start you start talking about what you found out, and I'm thinking, all right, well, you know, they're just trying to sell you something like a gimmick. I mean, yeah, I don't know. To me, that's you what know, it sounds I, like is a gimmick. Yeah, and, and you know, you you get that a lot the, in different things, and they quote all these different people and all that stuff. Oh sure, but yeah, <clears throat> well, got a dry throat. Um, but you you want to you really want to say okay let's get an independent lab to test this stuff let's get an independent lab to test the sulfites and the histamines which you claim are being removed and quote that independent lab and if they say so I will believe you but this is all their own test mm-hmm. oh, oh sorry this is they all their they own spent- test. They said they they spent three years collaborating with leading U.S. and Canadian universities to perfect the technology, but I don't see anything as far as testing goes. I guess that's you know that through trial and error or something through the through the universities and all that. That's that's one thing, but to actually go out and and test it and say you take pretty much any bottle of wine, and that's what I'm getting from the website. Yeah, and me too. 29% is removed in one minute, 66% in four, and 95% in eight minutes. Yeah. And, and I, I you stirred the one I here. tested for eight minutes, yeah. and it still had the yeah. same amount of sulfites in it. <laughs> you know, I, we really, I don't think this person's going to want to come on the show unless. I don't know. think so. I don't think so. There's, well, I'm going to test yeah. some more. I'm not done with my test now. I, I tested right. my wine. I'm going to go mm-hmm. out and buy, I'm going to buy uh, I'm going to buy a couple of bottles of other wines. Mm-hmm. I'm going to test the sulfites in them before, and then I'm going to try the wand on them. And actually, I should just do it eight minutes at the beginning because that should show me a major difference right away. Right, and I'll see what happens. But I'll tell you what. 
I am leery that I'm going to get anything. I, I really am. And I'm not, I have nothing against the wand if it works fantastic. Good for them. Sure. But yeah. my issue is that they're claiming this mm-hmm. and they're, they're claiming the histamines and the sulfites and you're not going to get headaches. And even that one there, that one of the testimonies even said that, yeah. well, I didn't get a hangover. I was great. The wand mm-hmm. saved me from a hangover. Well, that's only from the alcohol. That's not from anything else. So is the wand removing the alcohol? That's I, another thing no. they claim on, on their on their website. It's They have a thing on there. It says 75% of, of wine drinkers have experienced adverse reactions to sulfite preservatives and histamines, 69% from headaches, 43% hangovers uh, feel bad in the morning. I felt bad this morning. I haven't had a drink in, in a week. Well, maybe here's some Bailey's <laughs> over the 24th well, and know. 25th. I had some Bailey's. Anyway, flushed skin, 29%. Nasal congestion, 22%. I have that now. And breathing problems, 3%. So they have it lined have up yourself, on there. Have yourself a glass of water and use the wand in it. You'll be, you'll be fine. Um, <laughs> I want an air conditioning filter. I want to put that in my car. Yeah. I want a little thing in the vent. Yeah. That'd be perfect. This is a but, miracle. You know, but the way that thing is worded is like everybody has a problem with sulfites. Everybody has a problem right. with histamines. And so, therefore, everybody's going to have that. And if you yeah. get rid of the sulfites, you can get rid of the histamines. You won't have hangovers. You won't feel bad. You won't have all this stuff. And that's mm-hmm. not true. Bottom line, point blank, that's not true. What, you know, what gives you the hangover is the alcohol. That's what does it. Not the histamines, not the sulfites. The alcohol gives you the hangover because it restricts the blood cells in your brain and you get the hangover and you get the headache, okay? Mm-hmm. I, and the way that's where, and even those testimonials where it says that oh. I, it was great. I used the wand and I didn't get a hangover and I used to always get a hangover. What? I mean... It's still not alcohol. If you don't want alcohol in your wine, buy grape juice. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? I don't uh, know. I just, I really do have a problem with that. I, and if this new one I just read about comes out and they start saying, you know, this is great and I test it and it comes, I'll say the same thing about them. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, yeah. you know, it, it just. <clears throat> There's already so many misconceptions out there about sulfites and what it does to you. And in those places like that, expand the misknowledge, the yeah. misinformation, the, the, the false news, if you will, of that stuff. Oh, well, and it, you know, I don't know. I, well, I I'm wondering. Back on their website, when and I, I know we we're just dragging this out too long. They, at, ah. at this point, I don't think they they need any more talk about it. But that ninety five percent, and it says sulfite and histamine removal ninety five percent after eight minutes. Could it be like just five percent of the sulfites is removed and ninety percent of the histamine <laughs> is removed? Could be. And when you did when you did the sulfite test. You only had five percent or, or four whatever. It was the same amount after you know from four minutes on. It was the same amount. It, it, maybe the most impact is off of histamines, but that's that's a whole different test, and it's not a cheap test. Um, no. And the 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 paragraph underneath this little chart it says we have proof the wand TM helps alleviate wine allergies and remove wine histamines. At that point, they don't talk about the sulfites. So, I, I, I don't know. Um, but anyway, I understand what you're saying there, though. It could be, you know, it's the histamines that make the difference. It's the overall, histamines. Yeah, overall, between the two, it's 95%. It could be 2% sulfite different than, you know, whatever, 93% <laughs> they takes out the histamines. Because who's going to go out and get a, a, a histamine tester? You know what? I think I'm going to take an antihistamine and start drinking wine with it. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Use it, use it with the wand. 
took took out the histamines myself with the antihistamine. Um, <laughs> and I that tell up? people that's all you need to do. You know? Cold medicine? <laughs> Simple as that. And I also tell them I'm not a doctor. I don't advocate drugs and wine. But an antihistamine right. really does take care of the problems of the histamine. <laughs> you know? So. And it's cheaper. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's cheaper. Yeah, you're going to have it yeah. on your shelf anyway if you have those problems. Heck yeah, that's right. Um, all right, where uh, uh, where are we at now? We're, uh, it's the last show of 2017, isn't it? Wow. Just ended 2017. Yes. That's amazing. Um, yeah. Wow. That's that was that was a, a quite a bit there. And our next show is on January the fourth uh, after the new year. So uh, you know what? It's it's party time, of course, but please be responsible, be safe, don't put yourself or anybody else in dangers out there, don't drive, uh, have somebody drive you, <laughs> stay at home, or whatever. AAA, <laughs> a lot of that. AAA gives free yeah. toads if you, you're stuck in a situation. Yeah. They'll tow Use you it. and your car. I thought some They're cab trying. companies also had some kind of... Yeah, um, a lot of the cab companies you know, they'll give you a free ride. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if they, they want to keep you off the streets. Yeah, they want to make you use safe. Use you know, there's, there's really them. no excuse. There, yeah, there's no excuse no. to to drive. Uh, you know, while intoxicated, there's there's nothing when they're doing those no. those services for you. So, um, and you can get the car yeah. the next day, no problem. I mean, you know, besides yeah. that, all of you people up there in Erie and all those other places that have got you know five feet of snow, don't go out anyway. You know. <laughs> That's all it was. I I did it on my show earlier today. I said, oh, those people up in the Northeast, they got about 50 feet of snow yet the, you know, last week. <laughs> I haven't heard anything yet, but uh, that was exaggerating. <laughs> but they just got dumped a lot of snow. Uh, it's amazing. They got, they got. They, they, unbelievable yeah. amount of yeah. snow that they got. Yeah. Amazing. We didn't get anything yeah. down here. Yeah. No, no, I, I kept looking, though. They said all this is hitting, you know, eerie, and I, I keep looking out the window and out the door, and no Nothing. snow, not even a flurry, nope. you know. Mm-mm. Um, nope. In the 60s, so, yeah, there you go. Um, all right, so we'll we'll see everybody, uh, hopefully, after the, uh, on July, January, July, January 4th. Um, enjoy it. Happy New Year. And, um, Happy New Year. Take care. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you. We'll see you all. Thank you. January 4th. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron, originating from Florida State's Winery in Lando Lakes, Florida. Florida State's Winery is located at 25241 State Road 52 in Lando Lakes, Florida, four miles west of Interstate 75 or east of U.S. 19 and U.S. 41. For more information on Florida State's Winery, visit the website at floridastateswines.com or call 813-996-2113. That's 813-996-2113. The winery is open daily, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine. All About Wine.